Hi, this is Joe Spaulding. You're listening to Hallways, the official podcast of the Folk Americana Roots Hall of Fame. Hello and Happy New Year. As Joe said, welcome to Hallways. We are excited to talk to artists from all over the world through conversation and live performance. We will bring you the voices and artists that inspire and continue to inspire generations of artists, musicians, and music lovers like Patty Griffin, Keb Moe, Milk Carton Kids, and many more throughout this new year. But let's start with the genesis of the whole idea of this podcast and the Folk Americana Roots Hall of Fame with Box Center CEO, Joe Spaulding. American music history has been right below our feet in the Wang Theater in downtown Boston, a nearly 100-year-old theater once known as the Music Hall. Joe Spaulding's longtime dream of a new hall of fame for the music that inspired him ever since his days of touring as a folk artist is finally here. It was Canadian artist Neil Young who pulled Joe aside to ask him, why wouldn't you have the Folk Americana Roots Hall of Fame right here in this living, breathing museum? And that was all Joe needed to hear. Joe created a way to bring his own passion into an iconic building so others with a love for this music can share that same experience. History, music, and physical artifacts come together in one special place for visitors and Bostonians alike to look and listen to an American musical story. We talked to Joe about his own roots, the arts and music he has been living for 33 years in his role at the Box Center. It is fitting to sit with Joe in the heart of the hall and look around at the music history surrounding us. Thank you for joining us at the hall for our first episode of Hallways with Joe Spaulding. We are psyched to be here sitting in the middle of the hall. Yes, and you I, are. And when I say the hall, what does that mean, Joe? That means uh, this is the incubator space of the Folk Americana Roots Hall of Fame that we're building out and operating here in the Wang Theater. That's right. The Hall of Fame. The Farhoff. Farhoff as our nickname. But right now you got to say everything. So if you're going to go to the website, you got to say folkamericanarootshalloffame.org. Exactly. And then go hallways, the hall. This is one of the rare cases in radio podcast world that you kind of wish that you could have an eyeball into the scenery here. And I'm going to describe it a little bit. Behind me is a beautiful fireplace. And then to the left of that is the Baldwin piano. We have multiple artifacts that I want to hear Joe talk about and we're going to get into the the weeds a little bit about where the hall how it came to be i'm looking at a picture of bob dylan behind me next to Joni mitchell i see a neil young i see a lot of amazing guitars that i want to hear more about here we are so thanks for being here well it's my pleasure to be here and you're talking about neil young it's interesting that neil you're seeing actually three pictures of neil uh, they're all taken by a boston photographer by the name of ron Pannell, who's one of the best rock and roll photographers ever uh, we've known each other for 40 years he actually shot uh, a couple album covers for when I used to be a, uh, you know, own my own record company. That's in another lifetime. And those three pictures of Neil are actually all here at the center. 
and uh, Neil's been playing this building for 48 years. So you're looking at all the history that really talks about you know what folk music and Americana music and root music was all about. Did you read uh, his autobiography that he wrote? Well, I have not read Neil's, but you know what? When Neil was last here in 2018. He yeah. actually was helped be instrumental in deciding for us to do uh, the Hall of Fame here at the Wang Theater rather than going looking for another building. Um, uh, somewhere in the, else in the city and the reason he said was you know he got in front of the audience two sold out shows and said just got to understand that Boston truly is the folk capital of North America I mean, he said it twice without me having to say something and then he said you know I really love I only play this theater I've been coming here since I was 1970 and I'm now here in 2018 and I'm looking forward to coming back and it's the only place I want to play. And um, I said, well, geez, that's, that's enough for me. I think we should put the Hall of Fame right here. And so no one has ever put a Hall of Fame in a living, breathing, performing arts center before. And that's our intention to do. And we're getting pretty excited about how this is uh, coming out of the ground, so to speak. So the fact that he said that would be surprising to almost everybody in Boston, I think, that this is where it all kind of began. I mean, they wouldn't, they wouldn't associate Boston with the folk Americana roots. They put that with Nashville. They put that with you know, no, different, I, different places. I, I beg to differ. Well, that, so let me I, I, educate me. I, I beg to differ. I okay. would say that, uh, one, I'd like to say that I was a singer-songwriter, okay? I right. played folk music, and I was from Boston, yeah. all right? And I would tell you that many of the uh, larger, most successful folk artists in this country all came to Boston. They played Club 47. They went to Passim's as we're getting ready to celebrate the 60th anniversary of Passim's. And they came through Boston. And Boston um, actually had more musicians per square foot than almost anywhere else in the country in those days. And and it was true that all those artists came through and played here and had a home here. It also goes back even further than that, Chuck, and that is if you're going all the way back and you want to describe roots as music that came from Ireland or came from Africa or came from the Jewish territories overseas, they all came through Boston. And it's hard to remember, but we have the first African-American meeting house in yep. the United States. So is that's a part, another part of what we've uh, talked about in part of the hall here with the cultural heroes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that I'm glad that there is this disconnect. History, as you know, needs to be talked about, relearned, passed down, no matter what type of history. And I think this is musical history we're sitting in right here. And what's interesting is that if you have someone in the world or in the U.S., they need to put down a pin and they say, where's the heart of... Americana, it's probably not going to be Boston, but with education and to know what you just said, the culmination of why we're sitting here now, I think we're the heart of this hall, why it should be here. People will come here and will just be like, oh my gosh, this is one of those, um, I don't know if it'd be the heart, but it's certainly a tributary and it's certainly part of the main artery system. No, but that's that's the point. The point was that even the Pete Seeger thing, where does the root sit? Well, if you think of a tree, a tree has a root, and the tree grows up, and it has lots of tributaries called limbs. Right. Joe's an arborist, by the way. And I'm a go, goes, goes out, uh, and many of those all fall to the same core of the root. Right. And all of that music 
in those days actually did come through here. The other place in the 60s obviously was Greenwich Village. That was a place that people thought was folk as well. And that's true, but the fact of the matter that many of them actually made their first starts up here. And a perfect example of that is right. Joan Baez. It's right over there. Yeah, where's uh, Joan from? She, well, she went to Radcliffe, and she was That's a, right. She yeah. was a, her roommate was Betsy Siggins, who was the first uh, really? thing. Yeah. And for, did everyone. Joan play at Club 47 yeah. back in that probably 60, yeah, what, absolutely. 7 or something? Yeah, where she started. So she was at Harvard Radcliffe. She got a gig at Passim, which is, so people listening, that used to be 40, Club 47. Correct. And Betsy Siggins founded it. Well, she was the, yeah. she was the manager there. She was the yeah. growing force of the Club 47. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, you know, Dylan used to go through, everybody went through there. So it was the place. And um, most of those artists were all New England artists. So listen, I started getting into music when I went to a small prep school in New Hampshire. And I loved listening to music. And if you asked me who was my favorite band at the time, it was the Allman Brothers. Uh, and I had a good fortune. And some people would say that was Roots, okay, as well. That, you know, driving rock in that way, right? Yeah. Southern rock in that style. Well, anyway, so I went to a small prep school. And I wanted to be any one of the, a number of these players, right? And I can remember that my first real concert in this field was seeing Tom Rush at Plymouth State University, right? And the next concert I went to was Sly and the Family Stone at Dartmouth College. And I said, God damn it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, get a guitar and I'm gonna teach myself to play. And I started that way, and I started in, uh, mm -hmm. at, at school, and when I graduated and went off to college, I formed a band, and I started playing all over New England, and I then recorded an album, and then I toured as an artist around the United States, and then uh, I went into the record business and formed my own record company and managed a number of other artists and produced a lot of albums, and all of those artists were all in the same field. And what was so fascinating was some of us called ourselves folk artists, mm -hmm. And some of them called themselves Americana artists, and some of them called themselves roots artists, right? But the fact of the matter was all about songwriting. And you know, you talk about Neil, right? So Neil talked about folk music, but Neil was from Canada. So he was really Americana. And you think 50 years ago, right now, 50 years ago today, yeah. there was a band called The Band. Yeah. And they did an album called The Music of Big Pink, but they referred to themselves as Americana. And why? They were from Canada. Actually, Americana goes all the way back and back even further. Yeah. If I asked you both, House of the Rising Sun, now who made House of the Rising Sun famous? Animals. Correct. But that's a song that goes back to the 1800s. Uh, yeah, it is. All right? Again, it's about the songwritings that changed. There was a rumor, I have no idea whether this is true, and I wish Bob Dylan was sitting right here, we could ask him. Some people say the reason he went electric was because he heard the animals doing House of the Rising really? Sun. I don't know that for a fact. Point is, great songwriting in any one of these fields is what happens. You know, you talk about a Hall of Fame and we're obviously gonna support and honor and uh, uh, Woody Guthrie. Well, Woody Guthrie took songs that were written by other people, used those same melodies, but created his own lyrics. And that just kept translating itself all the way down through history to today. One of the things I find so incredible that you can support all the artists that you see hanging on the walls here, and they've all played here, and then you've got all the new artists on the next side of the wall, they've all played here, and you could just keep adding layers and layers and layers as it just continues. 
And so, in different hallways, and that's a perfect tie into that. And so it all stems from a very simple statement. Arts and music keep us a civilized society. That simple, right? And that it, with music, powers the ability to communicate and to communicate in any way. So that's what we're celebrating here, and that's part of the uh, celebration of how do you make American culture and how do you support that. Well, I know I love how you brought up storytelling because the art of storytelling, I mean, that's how history was told, through stories. Their parents would tell this, their kids and so on and so forth. Correct. And I love how you brought up how the, the fact that Woody Guthrie would take old music and put new words to it. Correct. It's, it's continuing the story, whether or not you know, you're changing the, the actual words of the story, but it's a continuation of that story. You know, and I'll tell you another one. Pete Seeger said, if you can't write a song, I can't remember whether it was two chords or three chords, then you should get out of the business, okay? Because <laughs> all you needed to know was a C, a D, and an E. Three chords of the truth. Three songs. chords of the truth, yeah. right? Yeah. But many songs, uh, like some of my favorite songs, really have only three chords, yeah, right? Exactly. But the words say what it means. I wanted. I, we asked Chuck McDermott this when we talked to him a couple days ago, and you know the whole genre definitions of Americana and roots and folk—it's blurred. I mean, it's if blurred. you look at even like if you even look like Led Zeppelin, I mean they're a blues band. Really, right? They started off with, with blues. Here's an interesting thing, a uh, tidbit on, on, on why we ended up that way. Because obviously I considered myself a folk artist, so the first thing I wanted to do is say, we're going to be the Folk Music Hall of Fame, right? That's the, that's the and, and by the way, a lot of people have been trying to do that, and it just hasn't been able to get off the ground, right? But the more we got into it, everybody said, well, no, you've got to add Americana. I mean, Americana is the new, though it's old. Okay, but it's also new. And then people said, well, geez, you got to get put roots in there because, you know, some people define roots as bluegrass. Some people define roots as, as blues. Some people southern rock, whatever. Or go even back to roots is music that wasn't from here, from the United States. It's what Emmett came across from, yeah. from Europe. So the interesting thing was when we finally looked at everybody and said, you know, let's just be folk Americana roots. Let's be all of it. And then we went to trademark that, to discover that no one had ever put those three words together. And so it was fascinating to me that now you could really try to define what does all that mean. And I think that's the part that we're trying to do. And I think that's the part that you're beginning to see build itself out here in the Wang Theater. And if you think about this theater, this theater is a museum in its own right. It's a national historic landmark. Millions of people have come through here since 1925. They've lived through all of this stuff. And but someone can look at Neil Young and say, well, where does he fall into this? Where does he fall into folk Americana roots? And you were saying he was... He was He's Americana. A, he was American. I was listening to and, Cinnamon and Girl the other day, and people would be like, Cinnamon Girl? That's not, that's, that's what is rock. that? That's rock. It I encompasses was, everything, but it also inspired people to do whatever they went up. So went Chuck, Ron do. sent me an email, and he said, uh, uh, I'd like to listen to your album. Oh right? yeah, yeah. So me too. I so I went so online. Well, I you know I have I have I have copies of it, so I'll get you a copy of it. Vinyl. I want okay. vinyl. I have vinyl. Sweet. Okay. But I went online to look it up, right? Because I haven't really looked at it in a long, long, long time. <laughs> and it had on Wikipedia what what I am. Oh, sweet. And what it called me was folk, world, and country. Interesting. I, I have absolutely no idea how I got to that. But how cool is that, right? That's what it said I was. You're now seeing it everywhere uh, in terms of how people are now suggesting themselves as to what they are. So, 
You know, uh, there's an organization, and uh, it's run by a guy named Angus Finnan, who is on our board here at the Hall of Fame, and he runs an, an organization called Folk Alliance International. It's headquartered in Kansas City, but it's folk worldwide, and it features folk artists, Americana artists, indigenous artists, uh, European folk artists, uh, and some of the world's biggest folk festivals don't take place in the United States. Well, I want to touch on that a little because we, when we were talking with Chuck McDermott, what came up, we were saying how there's kind of a triangle of folk Americana, and really we all think of Boston because we know that's where the roots come in, but certainly one of the largest trees that ever came out of those roots was actually in Nashville. And then if you look across the pond, Belfast, Ireland, Northern Ireland, um, is another connecting point. I wanted to hear about that, Joe, about that triangle. When we first met with you, we were really intrigued by that. It was sort of interesting to me that Boston had a sister city in Belfast, and Nashville had a sister, I mean, sister city in Belfast. And so this triangle began to exist, and I must admit that our mayor, Marty Walsh, has been supporting this. And we went to a theme of music. And so how could we do events together that would solidify that triangle? And we're actually working on that as we speak. Like and so a live the, stream of some well, sort? No, or, it's uh, right. actual performances from there to here. Right, right, and right. And us to there and supporting that. So as you know, I have the cultural heroes here. Our cultural heroes should be going to Belfast. And they should be giving me an exhibit of what uh, uh, Irish music uh, was important that came to America and what the history of Belfast is so that my audience can see that. And then we should tie that into Nashville and tie that in through the Americana yeah. piece. So, yeah, I mean, ha sorry, but I love the fact that we're tying in, and it gets back to that hallway of history, where we tie in the Irish immigration. The roots of the music are connected. But it's spread, it's amazing, it's spread over the ocean. And so if we think about Boston as such an Irish predominant, it was an, it's an Irish city. Correct. Um, so what I'm getting at too is that Chuck and I would love to go to Belfast <laughs> and we will interview anyone you want. And um, Well, we have a very special relationship. Yeah. And by the way... Well, Aer Lingus is running a deal. And by the way... Um, they are excited about that. And, you know, uh, the Lord Mayor of Belfast was just here in this room for a meeting, uh, as was whole, all of his economic team. And uh, we're planning out uh, events that happen in 21, 22, with a big cultivation of a huge event in 23. So uh, that is ongoing right now. And so we're very excited about that. You know that a lot of our artists, our newest artists in the folk Americana roots, actually are traveling to Ireland right now. They can actually do more touring over there than they are and can here. And, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. Uh, I had not thought about Mike Peters, actually, since 1988. Mike Peters is a Welshman from Wales who had a band and still has a band. He was the founder of a band called The Alarm. The Alarm was a big band. They first came to America and toured with another Irish band called U2. Yeah. All right? And then the alarm went on to do Dylan and the rest of his history, and they were huge. Right? And now there's, there, now my friend Mike has turned 60. He's a lot younger than me. But the alarm is now on world tours again. Yeah. And they are 
back on the British charts. And they played oh, Boston awesome. recently, sold out, sold out to Paradise, right? And Mike called me up and said, Joe, I got to come back to the Wang Theater. And I said, okay, why? He said, well, don't you remember I was there in 1988? We did a nice sold out concert. And I was the CEO here in 1988, been here 33 years. So <laughs> anyway, 1988. And uh, Joe, did you forget? This is the only venue that the Alarm ever recorded a live album at a sold-out concert here at the Wang Theater. And it's coming out on its anniversary uh, next uh, April, uh, and they're going to re-release it, and they're going to come, the Alarm's going to come from there and do an acoustic set in our in our lobby for 250 of their best fans. That's awesome. And, so, and it's a part of Hallways and a part of uh, what we're doing. So all that has happened. In fact, interesting that we started going back out. Look, you know, that Bob Dylan recorded here live. The Allman Brothers recorded live. Grateful Dead recorded live. David Bowie recorded live. Bob Marley did an album from here. Neil Young recorded here. The Eagles recorded here. So there are all these uh, recordings of live music that has actually happened on our stage. So as you tour around our Hall of Fame and look at the exhibits and the rest of that kind of stuff, you're actually going to hear music that you may have actually been to because it's all music that's recorded here. That's great. Isn't that fun? One of the things that we were kind of talking about as we are kind of thinking out loud about how we're going to do this podcast, Hallways, what's the purpose and what's our mission? And I think one of the things that we've discovered through our other podcast is the youth movement in Boston for music, Roots, Folk, Americana, is amazing. And so many of the young musicians that we talk to play homage to a lot of these musicians who kind of set the standard. They're pulling out songs that I've never heard of, and they're, they're educated on it. They, they know their stuff. And they're using the basis of all those uh, stories that were, that were brought down through the generations and putting their own mark on it. And I love the fact that these young musicians like Honeysuckle, like Chris Delmhorst, like Session Americana, they're all, they're all pulling up these songs that may have gotten missing or never heard before or, or just are, are still popular and just putting a new spin on it. That's what I love about it. I think you hit the nail on the head, all right? So let's, let's just use Ken Burns's newest one country, mm-hmm. okay? What's so great about that is that You've got artists that include Roseanne or, or Marty Stewart or whatever they are, or Rodney who plays with us and, you know, that we did a concert as part of our Folk Americana Roots music series. What Ken Burns learned is what some of us who are artists know is that we are, in fact, truly musicologists. So we can actually tell those stories because we believe in those stories, and in many cases, we were those stories. It's really fascinating to me that sometimes we've sort of lost the trait that there is a history and a something that people wanted to hear and talked about. Now, I come from a generation, all right? That's the difference between uh, my generation and young people. Today. I grew up on music. It was everywhere. It was a piece of my life. I mean, I listened to everything and went to everything. Today, that's harder said than for the young millennials as to what's going on. So part of our job with hallways or what we're doing with the hall is to now find ways to tell that story in a way that also interests the millennials going forward. Well said, Joe. And I think that it really reminds me of when we started the conversation about Woody Guthrie putting some of the history to lyrics and teaching without 
any recording device, without any internet, without any podcast or radio in front of him. The goal of the hall, and hopefully for hallways, is to be that voice. Correct. And to actually teach and discover the whole laugh and cry together and, and figure it all out and be able to tell the next generations about why this is so, not just history, but it penetrates us because it's the music that we knew when we were young. We talk about this a lot while I'm above the basement. It's scientific. It's social, but it's also scientific. It's the music that we all knew when we were 13 to 30 years old or so. You know, I disagree slightly that the younger generation and my own kids that are now 11 and 14, their Post Malone, their Kendrick Lamar, their Taylor, their Ed Sheeran, all of that, they don't go to enough live shows like we did and we lived it and we got those LPs, like you said, and it was part of our, our brains in that sense, or part of our culture. But it's, it's just a different way of, of getting into their minds now. But you're right in that technologically, there wasn't a way to pass that down. And now I think it's up to this, this mix of our generations. I'm a Gen X. Uh, we're lucky. I'm glad that you've created this hall. Taking what you just said is really important. So the newest exhibit is our Cultural Heroes exhibit. They're here in the lower lobby of the Wang Theater, and they are sculptures. Right, and they are big headbutts of artists. The sculptor who who did these, he was talking about what were his cultural heroes. Right, they're Woody Guthrie, they're Bessie Smith, they're Billie Holiday, they're Lead Belly, they're Josh White, they're Paul Reardon, and Marian Anderson. All right, and so when you come to see that, millennials do understand causes. So. The answer was, this was civil rights coming up. This was way you talked about making sure that you were protesting the things that were bothering you, but also supporting the things that you liked. And that's part of the history. And I think it's sort of interesting that we're tying actual visual large head of cultural heroes and then trying to explain that, you know, when you listen to Woody Guthrie sing, uh, This Land is Your Land, and you can actually watch a documentary while you're looking at these things that has Bono and Dylan and Emmy Lou and Little Richard and uh, John Mellencamp uh, and Bruce Springsteen all singing verses of This Land is Your Land, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. It puts it into a tangible, you hear the words, this land is your land, since you're a kid. And it means nothing to you. You, don't, you, just, you just repeat the words. But when you're at it, it's actually explained to you and why this was written and when this was written. And that these people weren't just making music. They, were, they, had, they had their causes. They had their missions. They were products of their generation, of where they grew up in. And that's what you see. It's not just the pictures. It's the, it's the instruments. It's the posters. It's tangible, what a lot of kids may think of as, as a myth. I told this to Chuck McDermott the other day. When I was in London and I, and I looked down and I saw that there was where Anne Boleyn was buried. And it was like seeing a unicorn. It was like, Anne Boleyn? Does she even exist? That's crazy. For the, a lot of these kids, like Bob Dylan, they, they don't even know if he's alive or dead. They, he's just like this thing, real thing, like floating around in the air. And by making it real with these artifacts, it's, uh, I think that's really important. Well, so I always love to do, as uh, when, I, when I get into the music hall, and we're sort of, you know, I have the chance to walk people around and talk about certain of the stuff that's here. There are two items that I always go to, and they're here in the hall. And one is, it has an album cover, and it's a colorful album cover, and it has no name of the group on it. 
and it has no name of the album on it. And I say, do you know what this is? And they all look at it and they, they say, no, I, I don't. And I say, okay, well, just let's see if we can figure out the painting part of it. Do you see over there on the wall, there's a painting, a self-portrait of a particular person. So why don't you look at who drew that? And they go over and they look and they go, Bob Dylan drew that? And then you turn around and you say, yes, and he drew that album cover there. And the reason it's, there's no name on it, because it's a true piece of art. Yeah. And it's the band. And it's 50 years ago this year, and it's called The Music of Big Pink. What's fascinating about that, most of my young people go, well, what was the name of the band? No, it was called The Band. You know, again, but if you name the song up on Cripple Creek, everybody knows the song. Sure. Right? And, and that's what I also love. We're big on the actual physical artifact, album covers, the art of it, the art of the posters. I mean, you have some beautiful looking guitars here. Are they recent guitars? I mean, some of them may be older guitars, but some of them, they're turned well, into works of art. They, uh, these are works of art, and they're uh, from a friend of ours by the name of Aza Bredner, and he was uh, a great guitarist. He was in the Modern Lovers. He was in Robin Lane and the Chartbusters. He's been around for a while, and he decided to get into doing these guitars in this way. God bless him. He donated them to us. And then, unfortunately, a couple months ago, Aza died of a heart attack. Is that right? Right. And uh, so we are truly honored to have several of his guitars on display here. And we're going to have lots of other instruments um, from uh, around uh, the world uh, that made statements. So unlike my sisters or brothers, our Hall of Fame is going to have less is more as a title. All right. So instead of 2,500 guitars, we're going to have a smaller amount that means something to what we're trying to trying to talk about. Chuck mentioned looking at these pictures and you see different eras. There's a lot of younger folks there, some older artists there on the back wall. When we toss around this new show in hallways, I wanted to hear from you, Joe, and we wanted to hear from others. The connection to the hall that goes back to that year. What about these artifacts connect with the non-musical aspects of life? You mentioned the bust out there. So what about these artifacts in the hall that connect to American culture in the non-musical way? Well, what strikes you when you look around this room? What I see around this room is a total connection that everything that you're looking at, they connect to something else. It becomes pretty darn obvious as uh, most people come in here and start to go around this room using the little app that we have that talks about what you're looking at and what you're thinking about. It causes you to think about that. And what it causes you to do, in my mind, is to realize what you're seeing is American culture, how it has grown all the way through the years and is continuing today, and the power of the communication. You know, there was somebody that called me up. No, it was Peter Gold, who's on my staff. And he said, you know, uh, I just read about Elvis Presley was Americana. Again, you, they put a define on that. But you think about when you're looking at Noel Stuckey over here and from Peter, Paul, and Mary, that iconic photo sitting next to Joni Mitchell. And you think about the history of Joni Mitchell. Here's an example. Tom Rush's first album, most of the songs on that album were written by Joni Mitchell. You look at the style of which it came through and, and what all those revolved around, and they were all about life, and they were all about love, and they were all about you know, what those things did. And so for me, 
What it does for me is it shows that we should be a civilized society and we should be talking to each other, right? And when you do a show here at the Wang Theater where there's this relationship between the audience and that artist, it's like magic. It's really totally magic. And that's what makes me smile. When Above the Basement partnered with the Box Center to create this show, it was another example of how Boston has its own heart of music and a shared important history that can be told through the arts. Joe understood that when he took the job at the Wang Theater in 1988. He continues to build that shared community through not only music, but also through a venue to pay homage to it all. We would like to thank Joe for being our first guest as we kick off Hallways and for the opportunity to be a voice for the hall. Please join us at the Folk Americana Roots Hall of Fame. For tickets, you can go to folkamericanarootshalloffame.org. A very special thanks to Ann Taylor and Matt Pacific at the Box Center for their help and support and to the band Honeysuckle for the music you heard today. You can hear more about Honeysuckle at honeysuckleband.com. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcast provider to Hallways, where you will hear future guests like Keb Moe, Patty Griffin, Milk Carton Kids, and more. Hallways is created in partnership with the Box Center and Above the Basement Boston Music and Conversation. 